all the kids are coming up to the front row and I need to grab my Bible and look up this one verse. Craig, you haven't had any luck at all getting that uh, that slide for the devotional slide up, have you? Okay. Not a problem. We'll deal with technology this morning or the lack thereof. <laughs> you be on the floor. Well, I'm standing on the floor. So does that mean we're in the same place? And Elliot's squatting on the floor. And these people don't even have their feet touching the floor. It's crazy. All the people with floor stuff. Well, I want to read to you a verse out of the Bible. And I'm going to read it to you in just a minute. Because before I do, I want to talk to you about something. I forgot to grab my iPad so I could show this to you. Back years and years and years and years and years ago, before there was technology that we could carry in our pockets, people used to get pieces of paper and pencils, and some people still do that, and they write out lists to themselves. And a lot of times when I'm going into town, my wife asks me to remember to buy milk or to remember to buy a loaf of bread. And we live 25 minutes out of town. So if I forget to buy whatever it is that she wants, then I have to drive back to town, get it and come back. And a whole hour is lost. So it's important that I remember what I'm getting. So I always put together a shopping list. Well, here on my iPad or on my phone, I now have the ability to put a list together and then as I do, as I buy the stuff, you see that little circle that's right there? I can push my finger on that circle and it puts a little check mark in there and it tells me that I bought it. And the thing that's really cool is if I go from store to store to store, I can still look at my list and know, did I get what I needed or do I still have to try and look for it here? Because like sometimes, like last week when I was down in Wasilla, I was looking for sp- some specific things and I went to one store and I didn't find it. I went to another store and I didn't find it. And finally, I went to the third store and I found it. And it was always on my list every time I went to the different stores to remind me, you still need to buy this thing. That's called a shopping list. Well, when I was living in England, I learned something from the guys that I went to church with. And they said, we are asked by God to always pray for people. And if you read in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I am telling you uh, that all of your prayers, all of your supplications, all of your intercessions, and all of your giving thanks, You should do it for all people, not just for yourself, but for all people. You should be praying for people. Well, one of the things I learned from my friends at the Bible study that I went to, the men that the men's group that I was part of, they taught me to make a prayer list. Now, this book dates all the way back 30 years ago when I lived in England. I know that sounds like a long time ago, but it's only half of my life ago. But one of the things that I learned was this. On this side of my paper, I put the request, what the prayer was. Um, Then I put a line down the paper. And on this side, I wrote down what the answer was. So like in this case, it says on January 6th, I believe this was 1991, 1992, 1992. So this was 31 years ago. 
Please pray that God would guide, lead Renee and me concerning the form and direction of the Bible study that we are leading, that God alone would be responsible for it. And then on 21st of January, I wrote, praise God, we had seven people in attendance and it went very well. Then I said in January 6th, please pray for my mom and my dad's salvation. But I never put down an answer to that one because by the time the 1990s was done, my parents were or still didn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Then another one. Let me show you. There's one that's really cool. One that's really, really, really cool. Where is it? Yeah, here it is. On the 30th of January of that year, I was at the Bible study with our men. We used to meet every single Thursday morning at 4.30 in the morning for prayer and for Bible study. Greg Smith, his brother, is not saved and has family problems. Greg wrote his brother and shared the gospel with him. Pray that the Lord would use it. And then he also said in that same prayer meeting, Greg Smith's friends, Bill and Chapman, also known as Chappie, their, pray for their salvation. Bless Greg as he plans to witness to them today. And then it says, praise the Lord. Chappie got saved. And what's really cool, it's not in this book. I looked for it, but I couldn't find it. In another prayer book that I had, I have one where Chappie started coming to our Bible study at 4.30 in the morning on Thursday. And he said, would you guys pray for me? Because I'm going to be trying to share the gospel with my friend, uh, George. And so I wrote down, pray for Chappie as he leads, as he shares the gospel with his friend, George. And then I wrote as an answer, God saved George. And then it said, George is going to start coming to our Bible study. It was like, this is so cool because I can look back even 30 years ago. And see how God answered my prayers. And so I want to encourage you guys to do this. First of all, the Bible says we're supposed to pray for all people. So you should be praying for people. But the other thing is, how do you remember to pray? And I would encourage you to get a small notebook and to write down your prayers. And then keep track when God actually answers your prayers. So that way you can go back 20 and 30 years and say, see, God hears my prayers. And God answers my prayers. Isn't that cool that God can hear us and answer us? Listen, I want to pray with you guys. And then this morning, you're going to go back and sit with your folks. Okay, because this is the last Sunday of the month. And we always give our teachers a break one Sunday a month. So you guys go back and sit with your folks. Okay, God bless these kids. And I ask, Lord, that you would help them to learn to be prayer warriors. Help them, Father, to understand what it means to pray for other people. And help them, Father, to be intentional about their prayers and show them, Father, that you are hearing and answering their prayers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, thanks, guys. You can go sit down. That's why you get to be what? Ah. Very cool. One of the uh, one of the things that we were struggling with with technology this morning prevented you from having in front of you the scripture that I wanted in front of you all morning long. So if you will, please turn with me to James chapter five, verse 16. James chapter five, verse 16. 
is not necessarily the text that I plan for us to study so much. It was supposed to be a visual reminder all morning long of what God asks from us. So let's read it. Uh, just follow along as I read it out loud. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it is working. Um, some passages, some, some Bible translations, let me read to you out of the New International Version. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Does anybody have that in there? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's another one. And this one I heard quoted by a bunch of people. Um, it's the J.B. Phillips uh, paraphrase of the Bible. And in it, he said, Tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. Let me read that to you again. Tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. I like the fact that it says that there's tremendous power. I like the fact that it says the prayer is earnest. In other words, the person's intentional and wanting to pray. What I don't like is that Mr. Phillips chose to, instead of saying a righteous person, he chose to say a good person. Because just because somebody is good doesn't necessarily mean they're in right relationship with God. I can be doing nice things for people. Maybe it benefits me to do it. Maybe I feel good about doing it. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm in right relationship with God. And so I think key to this promise that we have in James is if you want powerful and effective prayers, you need to be living a righteous and holy life. Now, we are studying out of 1 Samuel. So let's go ahead and move there for this morning. And I'll show you where all of this has started, had, what, what the impetus for all of this was. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 12 through the whole chapter. Now, we're not going to take time to study the whole chapter. I just want to give us a real quick synopsis. If you recall from last week, Saul became... Fully invested as the king. I mean, he there was a there was a major crisis. The Ammonites tried to attack. Saul. They were going to. They came to the village of Jabesh Gilead. They said they were going to take over and kill all the people or enslave them. And uh, Jabesh Gilead sent out a request to all of the nation, "Please come help us." And Saul called all the people together, and they battled against Nabesh, the uh, king of the Ammonites. And they defeated him greatly. And then Samuel came up and said, let's bring Saul to Gibeah and let's anoint him again as king and install him finally as king. So now, verse chapter 12, which is the very next chapter, Samuel has all of Israel's ear. And he says in chapter 12, verse 1, behold, I have obeyed your voice and all that you have said to me, and I have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. 
I have walked before you from my youth until this day. And here I am. Testify against me before, before the Lord and before his anointed. Talking about King Saul. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Of whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. And they said, you've not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you. And this anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, the Lord is witness who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, now I stand, excuse me, therefore stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. And then he goes through and gives a litany of all the things that God did for the people of Israel throughout throughout their history. And then verse, if you skip down to verse 9, it says, But they, the Israelites, forgot the Lord their God. And he sold them into the land, the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried out to the Lord and said, We've sinned because we've forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. Now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. And the Lord then sent, and he goes again and lists more and more and more of what God did. And then if you skip to verse Let's go to 16. No, verse 15. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord is going to be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord and asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Now, the reason that they feared so greatly was because that time of year, there was never rain in Israel. That time of year, there never would have been thunder or lightning naturally. So it was by the word of Samuel calling out to God and asking for God to do this that it happened. And um, they went, whoa, whoa, this is real. So they finally, Samuel has their attention in verse 19. And it says, all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants that the Lord your God, to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, don't be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Now let's stop there for just a second. I found it interesting as I was studying this, that if you think back, Moses was asked to lead the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He led them across the wilderness for 40 years. 
And as it was near the end of his life, he gathered all the leaders of Israel together and he said to them, I am about to die. And I need to remind you of all the things that God has done. I need you to refresh yourself and keep and re- refocus on the fact that God has had your back, has taken care of you. But God demands one thing from you, and that is faithful obedience and faithfulness to him and righteous relationship with him. That's all that God has ever asked of you. And if you will continue in that, God will continue to bless you. And then Moses died and Joshua took over. And then we read the book of Joshua and how God worked through Joshua for 40 years. And then Joshua, at the end of the book, gathers all the leaders of the nation of Israel. And he says, I'm about to die. And you guys need to recognize and understand that God's got your back. And then he lists all the things that God did for them. And he said, and if you will continue to walk in faithfulness and in righteousness and in holiness before God, he will continue to bless you. But if you don't, you're going to fall to the wayside and you will not have any blessing of God on your life. So trust the Lord. And they all, and he literally says to them, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know about the rest of you, but as for me and my house, we're going to do it. And the people of Israel go, we're going to serve the Lord too. We're going to serve the Lord too. And then Joshua dies. And then the judges raise up and there's Gideon and there's Barak and there's Deborah and all of them. And and it's like the people of Israel, it says, if you read the book of Judges, it says one of the greatest or, or one of the most common statements, which is a scathing rebuke against the people of Israel was everyone did what was right in their own eyes throughout the book of, Israel, of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And then finally God would raise somebody up. And they'd serve under that person for a number of years. And then that person would die and everyone would do what was right in their own eyes again. And then somebody would, God would raise somebody up. And it happened over and over and over and over again. And then when we get to the first book of First Samuel, we see Eli, the priest, who is not an effective high priest. And his sons are a mess. They were called scoundrels. And then finally, God raises up Samuel, who for 40 plus years has led the people. And then the people reject Samuel and say, we need a king. And Samuel says, ah! And God said, do it, just do it. Let him go, let him go. So Samuel is now near the end of his time. He is not at the end of his life yet, but he is at the end of his time of leadership as far as being the, uh, the focus of government, if you will. Not that he was a king. And he says to them, Y'all keep doing the same pattern over and over and over and over and over again. Just like your fathers. As soon as the leader changes, you fall apart. And you start doing your own thing. And you stop focusing on the right thing. And listen, guys, if you would keep your eyes focused on God, if you would stay in right relationship with God, if you would not start putting your trust and hope in other things, you can have God's blessing. But understand... If you turn away from the relationship, if you stop attending to the things of God, if you continue to focus on anything and everything, but you cannot expect God to have you back. And you cannot expect God to pour out his blessings on you. And that's what Samuel is saying to these people. And what do they do? He says, I want to prove to you that I'm speaking the words of God. And they're like, oh, crap. 
Oh, and they go, please pray for us, please pray for us, please pray for us, that none of this will come upon us, please pray for us. And Samuel says in verse 23, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Then he says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Same message over and over again. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Now, two things that you need to, or one thing you need to know, and this is an aside, and then I want to focus on the thing that's, for me, the most important thing of this chapter. They had just had a great victory over their enemies. They finally got a king. The king has led them in their battle and has now won the, the victory over their enemies, the Ammonites. And they have finally has reestablished the center of government. Remember, we talked about that last week, that, that Saul has finally come into his own as king. And he's now got the beginnings of the center of government there at Gibeah. And Samuel says, you people have a history of taking your eyes off of God. And putting your trust and your hope in other things. And even though God has allowed you to have this king, which wasn't God's perfect plan for you or perfect will for you, but God allowed it. I'm warning you. It wasn't the king that won this battle. It wasn't the king that defeated your enemies. It was still God. And you need to focus on that and continue to honor God as God. Now, yes, you have a king who's going to lead you and going to be your, 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 your protector, if you will, or, or at least the, set, the focus of, of, of your center of your government. But understand that it is still God that is the, the primary focus for your life. Because if you vary from that at all, the blessing is going to pull away from you. You've got to keep that focused. And then they're like, please pray for us, please pray for us, please pray for us. Which, <clears throat> as a pastor... I understand. I come up to somebody, and believe me, I'm not talking about anybody in my congregation, okay? There's nobody here that I'm talking about. But many years ago, I was in the military, and there was a woman who, was, who worked for me. I was her supervisor, and her life was a mess. I mean, it was a horrible mess. And one day, she came into my office. I had a private office because the job I did, I had to do some private counseling with people. And so I, she came into my office, she sat down, she said, Sergeant Sugden, it was just personal stuff, she was just frustrated, just needed to vent, because she had nobody else to talk to. And I looked at her and I said, a second. And I stood up and I walked across the, around the desk and I shut my door and I came back and sat down. I said, I probably could get fired for saying this. I could get in a lot of trouble for saying this. But you know what? If you would just get your life right with God, most of your garbage would go away. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. But she never did. She admitted it. She acknowledged that her life was a mess and that she needed God. But she never turned to God. She never made it real. She never met... And I'm just your supervisor in the military. I can't make her do something like that. Well, now fast forward 30 years and I'm a pastor. And I have people come to me and go, 
what if you would just get your life right with God? All of your stuff would be resolved. Most of it. I know. Pray for me. No. Not me pray for you. You pray for you. What are you, an idiot? I can't carry you. I can't fix what's wrong with you. It's you and God. If you don't make it right with you and God, it doesn't make any difference how much I pray for you. Pray for me, pray for me. Okay, fine, I'll pray for you. Which is the way I read this when Saul, when Samuel said to the people of Israel, he said, you people need to focus on God. You have a history of not focusing on God. You only can trust that God will bless you if you stay in a righteous and holy relationship with God. I'm going to show you God's power. Pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. What? Get on your faces before God. Pray for yourselves. But he said, and this was, this was the thing that, that gripped me. And again, it may be because I'm a pastor. But Saul, Samuel said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I wrestled with the Lord with that. Because honestly, I am so frustrated with people who say, oh, I need God in my life, and then do nothing about it. Because they're just giving me lip service. They don't care really enough to do much about it. They just want to complain, whine, and fuss. They still want full control of their own life. But that does not negate my responsibility to pray for them. And to seek God on their behalf. Hopefully, someday, they will come to faith. You heard me say in the, in the children's thing, the prayer list. Um, I said in the early 90s, I was praying for my mom and my dad's salvation. But that blank, that place had been left blank. That was because it took years and years and years. And then finally, in 2010, my mom and dad died. Um, I was telling somebody just the other day. I have every confidence. God has given me a full assurance that my mom was in right relationship with God when she died. And I know that I know that I know that I know that she is in heaven. I don't have 100% confidence that my dad was in right relationship with the Lord when he died. I think maybe he did, but I don't know. What can I do? I can't. That's not mine to own. That's theirs to own. They're the ones that are going to have to stand before the throne and answer for their life. And God's going to say, did you trust your heart and life with me? Did you serve me or did you not? Question, yes or no. Simple question. And so all I can do is pray for them. Now, once they're gone, I can't, I could, I, I could pray for them, but it's not going to do a whole lot because the Bible says once death happens, then comes judgment. But until the time of their death, it was my responsibility to continue to pray and say, God, help them to hear. Help them to see. Help them to be sensitive to the leading and calling and wooing of your Holy Spirit. God bless them. And you know what? Let me read to you something else. This is, this is something that is so, so powerful and I hate it. Um, turn to Proverbs 15. This, I have used this over and over and over again. And only once has it ever really made a difference in somebody's life. Proverbs 18, verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked 
is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Let me read that again. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Now look at the end of this proverb, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And I can tell you, excuse me, I can tell you from personal experience and also from my experience as a pastor and a pastoral counselor, I can with confidence say there is only one prayer that someone who is not in right relationship with God can pray and know that God will hear and answer. And that is, I repent of my sins. I turn to you and I submit to you. That's the prayer that God will hear and answer from the unrighteous. Because God says in 1529, he is far from the wicked. He has no responsibility to hear the prayers of the wicked. That doesn't mean that he doesn't. It doesn't mean that he can't. But it means he only has an onus to respond and to hear and to bless those who are in right relationship with him. Now, these are hard words. You heard at the very beginning of this service, a curse instead of a blessing. And you guys all went, thanks be to God. (laughs) None of you wanted to say thanks be to God for that word of God. But that's the reality, folks. Now, all of you are here today because I would assume you're in right relationship with God. Why else would you get up on a Sunday morning and spend an hour here? But there are lots of people in your life that aren't. You can't make them be Christians. All you can do is live before them the truth and love on them and lead them as best you can. But it is still the Holy Spirit's job to do the convicting and the convincing. But... First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, we saw, said, we have a responsibility to pray for all people. First um, Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, whatever it was, 25, said... Far be it from me to sin before the Lord, to not continue to pray for you. And then finally, James chapter 5, verse 16. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm, my, my, my eyes, I should put the glasses back on so I could actually see. There it is. Sorry. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and is working. Now, let me give you some for instances about this. Okay. You've already heard me say the only prayer that God is required to answer or is, has an obligation to hear an answer would be the prayer of repentance of, a, of, a, of a, an unrighteous person. But those of us who are in right relationship with God, God asks us, expects us, demands of us that we pray for those around us, not only for each other who are brothers and sisters in Christ, but for those around us. 
So for example, um, if you have a person in your life who is not in right relationship with God and they are struggling with illness, well, the healing comes because of your prayers, not because of their prayers. Okay? Now, I'm not saying God won't heal them if they pray. I'm saying God has never obligated God's self to hear the prayers of the unrighteous. He hears only the prayers of the righteous. That, that's where his obligation is. And so as a brother or sister or as a believer in Christ, and you have someone in your life who needs someone to pray for them, then that's you. You pray for their healing. You pray for their finances. You pray for their marriage. You pray for them. All the while, hoping and praying that God will be able to grab a hold of their life. But again, you can't change their relationship with God. That's them. But you can still live a life of righteousness and holiness before them, showing them what it's like to live in right relationship with God. Which means you have every right to pray for someone, even though they're not in right relationship. So what I'm saying by that is, I want you to understand, it's, it's not that we only pray for salvation for the unsaved. We can pray for the unsaved in any situation that they're facing, because we know God hears us. And we know that God has what he has for, here's for us. But let me also share with you one other thing I learned. And those of you who have been here since I've been here know that back in 2008, we had an evangelist named Elaine Pettit who came and she preached a, ser- a series of sermons for a week. And I learned something very powerful from her when it comes to intercessory prayer. She always, when you would say to her, "Can I? would you pray for me? She would say, yes. And then she would say, Allow me to pray before I pray. And I was like, what? And what she would do is she would say, quietly, not out loud, she would say, Father, how would you have me pray for this person? And allow the Holy Spirit to guide her in her prayer. Now, let me share with you one of the things that she shared with us about a situation like that. There was a woman in an event, in a revival service that Elaine Pettit was speaking at, not at our church. And this woman at the end of the service came down to the altar. And the way Elaine de- described her, this was Nancy Nazarene. She had the perfect hairstyle. She had the perfect manicure. She had the perfect outfit. She was perfectly coiffed. And she came down that alt- that aisle to the altar of prayer. And she was kneeling in that prayer, sincerely asking God for what was going on in her life. And and Elaine came up and said, how can I pray for you? And she said, I need you to pray, blah, 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 blah. And Elaine said, please allow me to pray for a moment before I pray. And she asked the Lord, how do you want me to pray for this woman? And the Lord said, you tell her that her prayers are detestable in my eyes. That she, that I hold the prayers of her son's murderer in higher esteem than I do in hers. Because of the hatred she holds in her heart over this man who has already repented of his sin. See, the man was already convicted of his sin. He was already in jail. He was already, um, uh, he had already come into right relationship with God and he had confessed his sins and repented of his sins and was now in right relationship with Jesus. And this woman whose son had been killed by this man refused to give up her hatred. Refused. She prayed bad things for this man. And this evangelist who's standing at the altar of prayer for this woman who's in great pain said, how should I pray for this woman? And the Lord said, you tell her, I find her prayers detestable. And she was like, okay. So she looked at her and she said, God has asked me to tell you 
that unless you release the hatred that's in your heart and enter back into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I have no obligation to hear your prayers. Wow. That's horrible. But this is how serious it is when it comes to relationship with God. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how well you dress. It doesn't how, how, how many good things you do in your life. God sees what's here. And if this isn't right between him and you, and him and, and yeah, him and you, he has no obligation to you. He has no obligation. He doesn't, not that he doesn't want to pour out blessing on you. Not that he doesn't want right relationship with you. But unless you enter into that relationship with him, he has no obligation. And so our job as Christians is to continue to pray for those who can't pray for themselves or maybe their prayers aren't being heard. One other thing, and this was so, 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 so cool. Yesterday, I was very blessed. Um, there's a, uh, a, a, a high school reunion going on this weekend for Lathrop High School. And a person that I've known for over 25 years that I met down in Colorado came up to Fairbanks to attend this reunion. And he had made arrangements with me weeks ago that he wanted to get together with me for breakfast um, yesterday morning. So we met in a restaurant in town yesterday morning. And um, as we were sitting there waiting for the server to come up, he said to me, do you come here often? I said, yes. He said, do you know these people? And I said, he said, do you know our server? I said, I don't know our server, but I... I, I've seen our server. They've served me numerous times. I mean, they've been, I've been coming here for years and they've been here for years. And my friend said, is it okay? He said, I've been bathing my whole trip in prayer and I've been intentional about doing this everywhere I go. But is it okay if I take the lead in this and you follow? I said, sure. And so what happened was our server came up. Now, again, I've been served by this person for years because I go to that restaurant regularly. But my friend, who was visiting from out of town, said to the server, Hi, I'm a Christian. And this is my friend Bob, who is a Christian. He's also a pastor in this town. And before we pray, before we eat our meal, we always pray a blessing over our meal. But we were wondering, would you be willing when you bring the food to us to just stand here for just a minute and allow us to pray over you and pray God's blessing for you? And he said, if you say no, that's fine. No harm, no foul. But if you want us to, we'd be glad to do that. And our server almost fell on the floor and said, yes, you don't have any understanding what's going on in my life. And then told us all that was going on in their life. Now, I've known this person, known this person for years, but never known their name other than what was here on their little badge. I never knew anything about their life. But a simple question of, can I pray for you? Opened up incredible ministry. And this is the thing that was so cool. At the end of our visit in the restaurant yesterday morning, as my friend and I were leaving, the server was walking by with a pot of coffee in their hand, going to another table. And I said, excuse me just a second. I pulled out a business card and I said, when you know what the doctor's about to tell you, because it's supposed to have an appointment next week, when you know what the doctor's going to tell you, would you please text me? I know I'm not your pastor. But I'd like to at least stay in touch and to pray for you over what's going on in your life. And the person took my card and said, I will definitely text you. Oh, and by the way, you are my pastor. 
wow. What that said to me as I left was, there's no one else in their life who's providing pastoral care to them. And they're going through a health crisis right now. A burden so great that they almost literally fell to the floor in a public place when someone offered to pray for them. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And you have that power available to you. But you have to exercise it. God can move in powerful ways in your life as long as you're in right relationship with him. And you can be used of the Holy Spirit of God to reach those who are not in right relationship with God. Not because you're all that great and wonderful and glorious. All of this is because you have a relationship with Jesus and you know how to pray. And it may not be that you have effective prayers. I mean, you may go, oh, Jesus, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. That's okay. All you have to do is say, God, help them. God knows all of the stuff. Just say, God, help them. You don't have to be eloquent. You just have to be willing. So going back to all of this, the one thing that I want you to take with you of everything I've said is Samuel's perspective that far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by not praying for you. Ask the Lord what that means in your life. Who does God expect you to be praying for that you're not? And is indeed that something God is going to hold you accountable for? Let's pray. Father, I praise you. I thank you. I bless you. I thank you for this word. It's not easy. It's hard work. But there's great promise here. I just ask God that you would help us to walk this path that you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.